0: Humanitarian Engineering Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to our next episode of Humanitarian Engineering Podcast of the University of Twente. Today, Alberto and I, Nicola, will talk to our our very special guest, Ilaria Carrara Cani, who works at Siemens. Welcome, Ilaria.
1: Thank you, Nikki. <laughs>
0: Did I pronounce your last name correctly?
1: Yes, you did. Congratulations. Thanks. As an Italian living in Germany, it's always a challenge with the name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We met Ilaria during a Tech for Sustainability challenge organized by Siemens last spring, where Alberto and I participated with our humanitarian engineering education. And we are very happy that Ilaria is here today with us.
1: Yes, and I remember your pitch very well. You pitched in front, I think it was 10,000 people who were connected live and we had the pre- representatives of the Siemens Managing Board and you were there as first prize. So that was really, really an awesome, awesome performance that you had, the both of you. I
2: think
0: Thank you, it, you very much. I think it was a great experience yeah, it was for great. us, right? Indeed, yes. indeed. Yeah. So, Ilaria, can you tell our listeners something about yourself? Who are you? So I'm... Um,
1: Um, an employee of Siemens, working in uh, Munich, in Germany. Um, I'm a sustainability enthusiast, you could say. I have been brought up very interculturally, so Italian father, half German, half Canadian mother. I lived in six countries, um, speak five languages. I work for Siemens now since um, 25 years. I'm going to have my jubilee of 25 years next month, and that's when Siemens actually pays for for a party, which I'm really looking forward to, because a lot of colleagues that I uh, found throughout the years became good friends. I'm looking forward to that party. Um, I'm also coach for women in academia and in industry. Um, I'm a mother of three boys. Um, and um, I would say a passionate bridge between cultures.
0: Very nice. But I also know that, or we know, that you are teaching intercultural communication in a few German universities. My first question is, how? did you come how did you decide actually to teach at German universities because you work for Siemens and also I guess that also has something to do with your life right because as you mentioned your father and your mother are from different cultures you lived in many different countries you speak many languages so where do you also find time for that (laughs)
1: That's a good question. I would say it's my biggest hobby and passion uh, to teach about intercultural communication and intercultural competence. Um, It all came up because of a master course that I did. And I know that you're also um, preparing students in a master course, so you can see what kind of impact these master courses can have, uh, where I found so many answers to all the intercultural experience that I had had. um, And I thought I want to share these kind of like um, Aha! Connects moments that I had by understanding different cultural perspectives, and um, and that's what would really brought me into passion. I um, teach. German students who are in economics uh, studies who maybe want to have an international career. I also teach um, Erasmus students or PhD students who come to Germany from abroad. um, And I actually teach them about German culture because I'm like an integrated example of somebody coming from abroad who now lives in Germany. And I teach them how it is to actually get integrated in Germany, kind of like accepting the fact that on Sundays all shops are closed and how do you actually connect and make friends, which is very different in other countries, or also how can you be really successful in work-wise? So what is meant by punctuality of deliverables or following guidelines? It's a very different understanding than in other regions.
0: Nice. So you really take it from the practical perspective, right? Exactly, exactly. And students must really appreciate, I would really appreciate that as well. Perfect. That will bring us to the next part of our podcast. And I think we will also talk a little bit further about intercultural communication.
2: Thank you very much, Nikki. Um, I would like to start f- from where we uh, actually just stopped about uh, intercultural communication. And I would, l- I would like to start with a question uh, for you, uh, Ilaria, of course. Well, you know that we are preparing a master program in humanitarian engineering. We discussed, we also presented at uh, the Tech for Sustainability. Uh, humanitarian engineer for us. Is an engineer with a strong technical background, but is also able to uh, cope with um, very different culture, very different uh, countries, and help underserved communities to get access to basic needs. He needs to work with uh, lack of data, lack of resources, and take decisions. Um, I don't want to say on the spot, but with less uh, com- in a less comfortable zone than uh, let's say normal engineers you normally do. Now. This is the Humanitarian Engineering Podcast, and we also teach our students that intercultural competence are crucial in humanitarian field. As a person who live in so many countries with also so many different backgrounds, do you have any personal example or stories uh, that you want to share with us and with our uh, students?
1: Um, yes, I'm actually really, really thankful that you're teaching exactly these skills to the next generation of engineers, because I think they're they're absolutely crucial, um, both from an intercultural and from an, I would say, entrepreneurial ex- ex- uh, point of view. But I'll start with the intercultural one. So from From an intercultural point of view, I I see so often people that have intercultural experience and have lived in different countries but are not necessarily interculturally competent in the sense that in order to really have that competence, you need to be able to reflect the experience. So many people are living in other countries but are stuck in cultural shock or maybe they even develop prejudices, you know, like, oh, I always knew that they would reflect that and then I have like like confirmed uh, expectations or stuff like that. And it doesn't lead to intercultural competence. In order to have intercultural competence, you really need to suspend judgment. And I think that's really necessary also in the field of work that um, that you have. Um, the other area that is kind of like totally resonating in me is the part of entrepreneurship, because I feel that entrepreneurship, both within an industry like Siemens or more also outside, is a really a key lever to have impact in our world. And these um Competences of resilience, of proactiveness—that I'm sure that you teach in humanitarian engineering—are um, um, are key, from my point of view, to solve the future's challenges.
2: Yeah, I think you you uh, basically touch upon two topics that actually there will be one of the three, two out of three of the main focus in humanitarian engineering: that how to teach also to to become entrepreneur uh, and to develop sustainable business. Um, how to create resilience environment also for underserved communities. And the first one will be most related to the fact that we, they also need to face uh, disasters and crises. So we'll be more close to the humanitarian uh, aid. But uh, let me ask you one question. What is the main takeaway from uh, the lectures that you give uh, to your students uh, in Germany? in connection um, with the uh, in intercultural uh, communication so to speak
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um thank you for that question. and so it probably relates to what what was my biggest takeaway when i studied everything and then i packed it into a seminar for the students um and that's the, one of the points where students usually say that was my aha moment and, and that is the recognizing that all cultures have actually all values that we know, whether this is freedom, honesty, um, loyalty, uh, commitment, hard work, and so on. But they're prioritized in a different way. And by knowing that all values are in all cultures, you start from uh, coming with a perspective of, let's say, appreciation, of um, understanding, because values are always a positive connotation. And only from there we actually manage to Completely understand uh, other cultures in their true light. Because if we are stuck with our own way of looking at the world, we then uh, might be stuck in prejudices and might um, assume that our own culture might be superior than the one from others. But if we look at it from the strength of the values, then in the end, you can't say which culture is stronger or better than the other. They're just different approaches to the same cultural value set that we have all over the world. Um, And that helps me a lot in intercultural uh, situations situations so any kind of critical incident can be solved with that approach so you really dig down to the values you understand okay we're just the same values It's just prioritized differently and that helps you to understand whether you agree to that decision or that behavior that is still your own kind of like decision but it helps a lot to at least understand and have that different perspective so I would say it's really uh, just to to keep it short, Alberto it's suspending judgment you're going and great you're going great yeah yeah, and uh, suspending judgment and and really having an understanding for the values and without uh, reducing them but seeing them in the true and strong light that all values have all cultures have
2: no i i I definitely really like um your approach and also remind me that um one of the key points that we always try to um let's say to underline is that the co-creation part so there is when when you talk about different cultures um we need to realize that for creating a a sustainable environment a sustainable also future for all the type of communities on the server or not we need to go through a co-creation part together to put together different expertise from different cultures Um, we also We know that Siemens is uh, a front-runner in innovations, And um, my question is, when we talk about innovation, what does it mean for you, innovation?
1: Mm, I love the innovation question. And then also in Siemens, we also talk about what's the difference between innovation and invention, because we always have these different words used differently. But let's start with innovation. Uh, Simply put, innovation is about successfully implementing a new idea and creating value for stakeholders, customers, let's um, say people who actually use it. So it starts with a new idea and it could be a tech idea, for example, in humanitarian engineering, I could I could imagine there is strong tech connect, connect, but it could also be an improvement of a product or a service. It could also be an updated method of running certain operations or also business model. And you might need all of these different kinds of innovations in your, um, in your field of work of humanitarian engineering. Within um, industry, uh, we also have the word of invention, which is then collected to intellectual property. Okay, that's when the, you really capture that innovation and you and you legally bind it to you, and you're sure that for 20 years you have that protection. Um, but um, yeah, so there's some things that can be protected and others not. Innovation is really broad, and it's the the new idea. And I'm actually um, or in the organisation of Siemens Technology within Siemens, and the um, uh, my my area of work is really um, collaborating with external partners, whether these are industries or research institutes or tech incubator startups on innovation and research. These are the two areas. And often this is also connected to um, getting in touch with digital talents, which is also where where we kind of met, right, at the Tech for yeah, Sustainability indeed, campaign. Indeed. So yeah. all these areas were were touched there
2: but um, now you 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 mentioned a bit uh, your work and your role uh, at Siemens and um uh, you work as managing research and innovation partnership uh, uh, at Siemens and now the question for us that we are doing a podcast in humanitarian engineering is how do you deal with the humanitarian engineering development topics within your role
1: okay so i was super lucky to have met you as uh, let's say master uh, um, um Founders of for humanitarian engineering, I had actually not crossed that uh, that area of expertise yet before. Um, and it might just be because it's so innovative, it's so groundbreaking and just because it's so so strong and important um also for for the future. and I hope to to encounter humanitarian engineering a lot more in the future.
2: Um, but maybe maybe well let me um let me rephrase uh a bit these 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 questions. Um, whenever we talk about innovation, of course we can have innovation for, um, let's say society like in Germany or in the Netherlands. But we can also have uh, innovation for society with underserved uh, communities. Mm-hmm. And we Absolutely. also know in Europe there are quite some example of underserved communities. So we don't have to travel. Uh, that far to have them um how do you see how do you deal with uh, these development topics within these let's say situations
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so the areas where i can i can really uh, imagine that we could we could have good connects would be um on the whole area of sustainable solutions offering offerings financing um so whether this is um developing um energy microgrid solution to electrify uh, areas that are uh, technically not as uh, developed. And this could be in different parts of the world. Um, So this would be really from a product business point of view, right, where we develop maybe a product that, Serves exactly these kind of um, un- underserved areas. Another area where I feel that we would have a very good connect in this whole topic of, let's say, sustainable um, sustainable um, solutions, which are um, and the topic of circularity. So I feel that um, products of Siemens will need to increase to that we get them back from our customers and then we repair them. We need to reuse them. We need to refurbish them. And And this is a whole new way of approaching the industry Um, that is rather challenging for us because right now we're using a lot of um, intermediate uh, resellers for a lot of our products who are local companies, smaller companies or also larger um, operations, um, intermediate uh, providers that go and implement um, that product or that's with an own service to the customer and that makes it difficult because we often do not know where our products are currently being used and who actually owns them. So we have to completely change the way we approach circularity and by doing that we have to okay get them back but then where and how do we really how can we increase our repair centers how can we refurbish these products and also for which kind of customers do we do it? Are it. Is it the same customer setting that will used in the future refurbished and repaired products or are we aiming at different customer markets? If you look at iPhones today, right, you give them back, and then they, they're actually addressing maybe a different market, right, with a new one and with a refurbished one. And we need to get there, and I think we could address maybe even new markets if we go further in the circularity approach. And this is something, I would say, this is a revolution that we're currently in. Um, the re, um, in my 25 years of Siemens, I would say the first 10 years was all about globalization and internationalization. Then the last 10 years was all about digitalization, and I would say that, okay, Okay, we're totally there, right? We're the, we're in the digitalization uh, transformation. I would say we're 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 transformed and we're transforming our customers. We're already passing on all the digitalization uh, process that we have uh, undergone, and we're continuing that. But the very big, big next challenge is really the sustainability one. And if you look at circularity from a deeper and more closer loop, it is extremely complex. So we really need engineers to tackle the, the complexity of how do we how do we uh, plan and design products today so that they can be uh, dismantled in 20 years and and dismantled by whom is it going to be dismantled by human beings by roboters, where we need engineering, engineers again will it be an ai that will do it and how do you how do you plan all this in advance because you need to have a product that needs to be kind of like you know uh, reused repaired maybe then you you don't look at 20 years um but you look at 50 100 years that you want to use it in order to have it more circular And I think that is a, is an extraordinary and large, um, market that we will address and and this is what i was meaning before that you you we need tech solutions but we also need new business models because right now the whole sustainability i would say um, aim is leading a lot to higher costs and it's very difficult to um leverage that if in an industry because we are obviously having a lot of competition with uh, with other players in the market as soon as we change those business models and we make sure that this more sustainable business model is also the one getting also maybe less costs or higher income that is when um, from my point of view we really have the turnover and we can go towards a a real sustainable future we're not there yet we we need a lot of support from humanitarian engineers and sustainability engineers from my point of view
2: yeah and i think it's really remarkable that uh, siemens uh, is trying to take this uh, this challenge that is really big indeed really big indeed
1: Mm. the other aspect where i feel that you uh, humanitarian engineers um could be like the bridge right to to where we are today and where we want to go is really on the aspect of diversity equity and uh, inclusion um Siemens we really want to foster a culture of trust and we want to adhere to ethical standards and we want to for example handle data with care and how do you do you have that you know that how do you handle data maybe in underserved um in environments where um where you, you really want to keep these high ethical standards but also in the aspect of uh, diversity inclusion we want to build communities to create a sense of belonging how do you do that and how do you um how do you anchor that with the needs of of societies who are have been underserved until now
2: yeah i think one uh, one of the also research line that we are trying to develop indeed is going in, in that direction, how technology can can uh, support uh, integration of society and and um, improvement of uh, living conditions for society indeed.
1: So you see other areas where you think that we could connect um, even more with humanitarian engineering or humanitarian
2: development? Yeah, I think one, o- one of the, if I look at uh, also Siemens um, Portfolio, so so to speak. One interesting part would be um, how could uh, humanitarian engineering and Siemens work together in order to um, tackle all the uh, supply chain uh, part. That is really um, a huge problem when it boils down to humanitarian challenges. And I think that um, there is a lot to do in that field both from a technical side both from a technological side and both from a, um, let's say job creation perspective so how, how could we uh, collaborate together in that, in that regard in order to have uh, um, a very efficient toolbox that can be deployed in this uh, situation
1: absolutely yeah 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 mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: And I think that will bring us to the last part of this podcast. Uh, Ilaria, I would like to ask you, I prepared three questions, but you already answered one of the questions. So I will only ask two questions related to humanitarian engineering. Uh, if possible, try to answer it as shortly as, as possible. And uh, yeah, so my first question is, why do you think that we need more humanitarian engineers or people that work in development?
1: Because um, technologies need to solve humanity's challenges, so we need bridge builders.
0: Very nice. I think you are the first guest who really. You are definitely (laughs) the
2: first guest that that tried to answer with a short uh, short answer. (laughs) Very good. Very good.
0: And my third question is, or third last question: Why should someone become a humanitarian engineer?
1: Because I feel that the sustainability challenges of the world are are very, very big and you need a holistic approach with empathy towards different needs and different markets.
0: Thank you. So this brings us to the end of this podcast. But before uh, we say goodbye to each other, at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned the Tech for Sustainability challenge. What's the plan for next year?
1: Oh, thank you for that question. Uh, So we're launching again the Tech for Sustainability campaign, and I was actually super happy that just yesterday I could um, uh, agree with the managing board member to be at the next uh, launch again, which is super cool. We're currently talking, I think, with about 30 different departments of Siemens on which challenges they want to bring out. Not so easy because, um, obviously, it's difficult for an astral player to explain exactly what are the things that don't work in our company. So I'm looking right now for a very courageous and very, uh, let's say, open-minded uh, colleagues who believe in open innovation. And it's great to see that there are so, so many departments and people that want to engage. Uh, we also need a bit of budget and resources for that, so sometimes that's the bottleneck. And uh, But we... We have plenty of sustainability challenges to be solved, so I'm sure we're going to launch it again. We're currently looking at the time frame of end of October to launch the ideation, and I really hope to have humanitarian engineers who will have a look at the challenges and maybe can, can help us. So looking forward to the next campaign. And there will be, again, uh, opportunity to win money and opportunities to engage with Siemens uh, researchers and innovators and also to pitch in front of top management. So might be a good good opportunity for some of your listeners as well. Yeah,
0: and I think- I think we both can say it was great experience for us, right?
2: Yeah, indeed. For uh, I think it's uh, good to remark for our, for our audience that the Tech for Sustainability campaign was a great initiative, very well organized and a nice place to make networking and uh, <coughs> was great, great experience, really.
0: Yeah, and nice trip to Munich. Beautiful town. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but one could also participate virtually for those of you who are far away. So, so anything anything works there and anyone in the world can participate. Above 18, I think. That's the only limitation.
0: Perfect. Then uh, thank you so much, Ilaria, for joining our podcast today. It was also great to see you after a couple of months and talk to you. Well, in general, we were thank talking you. about why resilience, intercultural competences, and entrepreneurship is very important in humanitarian engineering. And I hope that our listeners found this uh, these topics interesting and we are looking forward to the next podcast.
2: Thank you very thank much. Thank you for Amanda. having
0: me. It thank was you. awesome. And thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye.
2: Bye-bye.